Thank you for tuning in to the online sermon webcast at Living Savior. We are one church in two locations. The following is a sermon by Pastor Caleb Kerbis at our Asheville location on Christmas Eve on the basis of Luke chapter 2. It was Christmas Eve of 1944. A troop ship known as the SS Leopoldville was heading across the English Channel, carrying over 2,200 troops, headed towards the Battle of the Bulge in the throes of World War II. Among all those troops was one of them by the name of John McKeever. He's actually the father of one of our members, Richard McKeever. Richard and Sarah, many of you know. Down in the bowels of the ship, as he lie in his bunk, he and many others were listening to and singing Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm, all is bright. This is the type of guy who would also have with him this steel-plated Bible that his mother had given him, one that he usually wore in his left chest pocket. It's kind of hard to imagine, unless you've been there, what it would be like to be separated from family at Christmas, the pain of being distant and the fear of what's coming next while at war. Could the words of Silent Night dispel those fears? All is calm? Unless it's not. You and I know a lot about how even just words themselves, they can only do so much because Christmas itself is not exempt from the brokenness and the challenges of this world. This last year has taught us that among many other things, as this Christmas is probably different for absolutely every one of us, every single one of us. All is calm, all is bright. What about those soldiers that night? As the SS Leopoldville, with all of those troops, was crossing the English Channel, the sun had set not long before, and darkness started to take over. They weren't alone in those waters. A German U-boat fired a torpedo, and it struck the SS Leopoldville at 6.02 p.m. Like many others, John was hurled from his bunk, and hundreds started to try to make it to the deck. They started to get in some sort of formation, if you can, as explosions were going on below, many trapped there, and also many others, hundreds, in fact, trapped in flooding staircases. And that's not all. The one thing that could go wrong would be if the rescuers wouldn't arrive, but then the rescue calls were mishandled, and then the rescue ships were not going as quickly as they usually should. And that's not all. The weather was terrible. The heaving seas were causing the the ship to be overrun with water even more quickly. John tells his family about how people would get on, on the side of the boat And as the rescue ship was right next to it with the heaving 20-plus foot seas, they would have to time their jump so that they wouldn't get caught in between the competing hulls and crushed to their peril. Some did. So while the storm is going on and the heaving waves are consuming this boat that would sink two and a half hours later, just five miles off the coast of Cherbourg, France, imagine the sight that Christmas Eve night motoring away and watching just with one torpedo. Everything seemed to be all is lost, all not so bright, broken and shattered, and everything along with it being carried down to the depths below. 
even at Christmas? This kind of a story describes not just that very first, excuse me, not just that Christmas in 1944, but that very first Christmas as well. I mean, here Mary and Joseph were sailing along, and he had his beautiful wife-to-be. He had a good job. He was a stable home. They were going to have this quaint little life as they move forward in this neat town of Nazareth. And then all of a sudden, he finds out that his wife is pregnant, and he's not the dad. This is going to take a divine message in order to get him to change his mind. A, a faithful man. He's going to divorce her quietly, but, but she's pregnant, and he's not the dad. And this wasn't easy for Mary either. She thought everything was going to go well as she's this young bride-to-be, but She didn't ask for any of this. Imagine the rumor mill stirring around Nazareth as everyone would find her to be the talk of the town in every worse way. An adulteress, a homewrecker, maybe even worse. And then through other circumstances, there's a decree, a census. So there's no Cadillac. How are you going to get a pregnant, very pregnant wife to Bethlehem, the town of David, because that's their line, their lineage. A donkey, a horse at best, probably had to walk some of it. And then, that's not all. There's no room. And that's not all. She then goes into labor. And then through all of these unfortunate circumstances, the place where they lay, this child is, they wrapped him in swaddling cloths and placed him in a manger. What else could have gone wrong that would have caused all of these unfortunate circumstances to take place so that the first bed that this child would have would be a a feeding trough? Were the accommodations that terrible? Was the The birth, that that awful? With a torpedo that shattered this ship they were sailing along in, wave after wave beating against their circumstances, making it seem like all is lost and very unhopeful. So it seemed. So it seemed. The first Christmas. Christmas 1944. Christmas 2020? It was just a year ago when we were sailing along, and sure, our world wasn't perfect. There's plenty broken about it, but it wasn't terrible, I guess. I mean, we had our own issues. Each of us had our own demons that we would wrestle with, and the struggles and the fractures and among family and friends and neighbors, maybe even coworkers. And sure, things were kind of moving along. We had fears about our country and culture, maybe the economy, whatever else about our family and children. But now look at all of it. Like one giant torpedo, or many of them, depending on how you think about it, our world has been altered for the long term, if not forever. And the waves start beating up against us and start exposing our weaknesses. That's not all. It it can feel like our own brokenness, the guilt that we carry, the worries and the fears that we have, It makes us feel like we're sinking. And then the world around us, being what it is, it's like one thing after another, and we're caught in one of those bad commercials where it says, oh, and just wait, but we're not buying something. We're being sold a type of goods that we don't even want because it's not good at all. One bad report, one next thing, one after the other, and who knows what 21 brings. And that's not all. Experts will tell you, and you probably are aware of this, that depression and anxiety are the highest at this time of year, and it's no surprise that experts are also saying that this year is bound to be the worst yet still. And that's not all. Whether you face those things, there's the depression that we have because we've been isolated and separated from many others. Maybe also you know the part that you have played in the pain that you have caused others, that in your own sincerity and honesty, you can admit the shame and the guilt 
that is yours. You don't need anyone to tell you. You know what it is. Even at Christmas, barrage after barrage, wave after wave, one bad report after the other, could, could we even just find sometime, this time, even at Christmas, to be safe from all of those things, to have some semblance of security blankets and comforts that we once enjoyed? But that is exactly why we need exactly what God gives at Christmas. And I pray fervently that you would hear me on this. Not what the world says. And in your darkest moments, not what you say about yourself. Not anyone or anything in this life defines who you are in comparison to what the Christmas gospel declares to you. That although everything in this life is challenging, And there is so much more that forces us to feel like we are bending and bending. This Christmas gospel will not break. It is that a Savior has been born to you. It might seem like everything in the world that could go wrong is going wrong. Like all we need is one more thing. But God's great Christmas gift for you is greater than everything that is against you. I mean, it would think about this. It would take a direct message in order to change Joseph's mind and to explain everything to Mary. And that's exactly what happened as God sent his angel. And lo and behold, look at what they saw as they got to see the Savior that was promised, born, and they are holding him. God, Emmanuel, come to us. It would take a divine decree, a reordering of the structured powers of the world in order to get the Savior to be born in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly what happened as Caesar issued a decree that a census would be taken so that Jesus would be born when and where God had said he would, especially where, just the right time, born of a woman. It would take something huge in order to to lay out all of these historical details so that the scrutiny and the skepticism that we and many others have would kind of be met with the level of, well, facts. And yet that's exactly what happened as Luke invites scrutiny by saying, look at Caesar Augustus, a decree, census taken, entire Roman world first, Quirinius, governor, Syria, cementing all of these truths, not in folklore or fable, but in fact. It would take something quite interesting in order for a savior to come that would not just be fully man, but would also be true God. So we would know that he experiences all of our weaknesses and that of this world as a man, but would also be equal to the task of being our Savior as God. Sure, it seems like everything that could go wrong is going to go wrong. And yet, has God not proven, especially at Christmas, that he takes these unfortunate circumstances, and it is precisely in those settings that he is doing his unbreakable work. For under the veil of scandal, And behind the curtain of what seems to be a world gone awry, God sends his son into the world so that you and I would know, miracle above all miracles, that Jesus was born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem, just as God said, to do this, to be your savior, the savior of the world. So take all of your fears and come with me. And I'll bring mine. And we can go stand next to Mary and Joseph by that manger. And we can see what they see. Imagine the hopes and fears that they had. All of them 
all of their hopes gone wrong, the fears that had come alive and probably were exponentially worse than they ever could have imagined when they first became engaged. And yet see what they saw. God kept all of his promises to send a son to take on the culmination, in fact, the root cause, the foundation of all of our fears. You, you see, God knows that our greatest fears in life are not just a virus or disease. It's not even just some pain or some separation. God knows that the bedrock of all of our fears boils down to things like death, separation and pain from those that we love, and fear of being unable to control whatever comes down the pipeline and also in eternity. But that is exactly what Mary and Joseph saw and what God used to take away their fears. In fact, to conquer their fears. Because here is the one laid in a manger who is fully human, and yet he is also fully God. For in this child born, of, in, born and placed in a manger is the one who would go from the manger to the cross to the tomb. The one wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger would eventually be wrapped in grave clothes and placed in a tomb. And yet on the third day, what would he have to say and do for all of our fears? Conquering our greatest enemies, defeating death, and overcoming all of our fears, he would walk out and say this to his disciples then and to you and me today. Do not be afraid. That's the Easter version. You know the Christmas version very well. Whether you're in the bowels of a ship in the middle of a war, whether you're in the depths of despair or in the dark gloomy clouds of your own guilt and regret you know the christmas version silent night holy night son of god loves pure light radiant beams from thy holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace jesus lord at thy birth jesus lord at thy birth Take your fears with me to the side of Mary and Joseph. Take also your weaknesses, and I'll bring mine. And we can go to the side of the shepherds, too. I mean, who are these guys? They're the social outcasts, undoubtedly. Maybe some problem children, maybe. The low on the totem pole of the socioeconomic spectrum, probably. Criminals, some of them, maybe. After all, they're living out in the fields at night. And yet of all of the good messages, the great news of great joy that God would bring, he doesn't send it to those of high society and great nobility, to kings and queens or those that are the social elite. To prove that God has brought this message, this working of his saving grace to all the earth, he brings it also to the shepherds. And he brings it also to me and to you. Listen to what the angel said. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger, and so when the shepherds would hurry off, they would find this baby this with that sign, just as the angel had said. Because there's probably not any other babies that are wrapped in swaddling claws and placed in a manger, no less. And so when they found that child, they knew that it was their Savior. And my friends, through God's word, we get nothing less. As we peer over the edge of that manger and see the Savior that is born for us, it is the same for me and for you. And so when you feel broken, not just because of a year like this, 
but because of a life like this. When, when you and I see the part that we have played, the own guilt that is ours, God has something to say. And he doesn't come quietly. He's not soft about this. He's not going to pull any punches. No, he's not going to wait for us to shapen up before we get his grace. Instead, this is what he has to say. The Savior is born to you because this Savior clearly is for you. He came to wash away your guilt, to pay for everything that you have done wrong that would separate you from God so that there would be peace between God and men. Peace between God and you. Without a shadow of a doubt, you can look at that child in the manger and you can know that God works out all things so you would be saved, so you would be forgiven. You would also see that God really knows how to work through all things for our eternal good, especially when everything seems to be lost, broken, and sinking. For hasn't God, even in these times, just as you look back over the last months, brought you strength and perseverance and hope that will never disappoint you? Then look no farther than the manger to find the culmination of all of those things, a savior for you. John McKeever and the rest of those troops that were rescued, they were headed to the Battle of the Bulge, but Eisenhower had seen fit to send them around the western shore to fight on the front lines and to try to cut off some of those German supply routes. Imagine carrying the weight of everything that they had seen and heard. How could you forget Christmas Eve, 1944, English Channel, everything sinking down below, and all right after they had, or during, listening to Silent Night? Well, there was another event that was about to happen. You see, McKeever and the others were sent to the front lines and a bullet came whirling across, passing so many other soldiers. And it hit John McKeever right in the heart. Right where he had put that steel-plated Bible that his mother had given him. And it would bend, but it wouldn't break. My friends, God's Christmas gospel to you, his great Christmas gift to you, is that he understands very well what this world is like. That this last year has been awful, terrifying, and even mournful. It's hard for me to even think about the things that have happened to many of you that I know and countless others that I don't. But although this life may pressure you, hurt you, beat you, and cause you to bend in so many ways that are painful and depressing and disparaging, although it may cause you to bend, because you have this faith that rests in the Christmas gospel that a Savior is born for you, then you can go from Christmas's cradle to Calvary's cross, from the garden's grave to the glory in the highest heaven, and you know that all of this is for you, and you can know that this is unbreakable because God's unbreakable promises are all kept in Jesus Christ. 
And so no matter what comes your way in 2021 or 22 for that matter, no matter what happens for the rest of your life, it doesn't matter what happens, even if you don't want to hear the word pandemic one more time, nothing in all of this world can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord, that Savior that is born for you. So when you find yourself terrified, when you find yourself depressed and afraid, when you find yourself ridden with regret and beaten down in guilt, you can find your place next to a soldier who knows God's grace very well. Not just because it saved him from sinking and not just because it protected him from a bullet to his heart, but because he knew about the pages and the words therein between those steel plates and the treasures of joy that revolve around that manger, a Savior born for you. You can find your place next to that mother, Mary, who had bulletproof faith and joy that a torpedo could not touch as she treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. This is what you have too. It will never never fail you. Yes, this world, your own weakness, even the people around you, may make you feel like you are bending at times. But because of God and all of his promises kept in Jesus Christ, this faith that you have in this Christmas gospel, a Savior born to you, it is truly unbreakable. Amen. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. He is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men on whom his favor rests. Amen.